0: Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes.
1: Hey, Super Achievers. In this episode, I'm interviewing Dr. Stephen Hall. Steve has been an integrative physician for the past 35 years, helping his patients and others listen to and trust their deep inner wisdom. Welcome, Steve. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate having me.
1: I am excited about this topic. Can you share a little bit about your background first, though, before we dive in?
0: Well, yeah. My, uh, so I'm a physician in private practice. Uh, my roots are family practice, where we're supposed to be able to look at the whole person and their whole life and, and, and that sort of thing. And early on, I got interested in helping people that medicine didn't really have good answers for. And it turns out there's a lot of people like that, you know? and uh and i was also interested in getting to the root causes and not just treating symptoms so i ended up you know hit the limits of conventional medicine fairly quickly and so i ended up searching like a lot of the different healing traditions throughout the world and see well do they have anything better to offer and and then sort of synthesizing and integrating what i was learning into my family practice and uh so I ended up doing integrative medicine long before that they even had a name for it back in the 80s and I've been working with people in that kind of systems whole whole person approach ever since and but the question about getting to the root is what really um opened my eyes to that there's probably a better way for us to work within ourselves and to work to help ourselves grow and change than than so much of the information that's out there in the self-help industry yeah so in my searching uh, one of the techniques i came across was a form of bodywork that's a subspecialty of osteopathy medicine it's called um, craniosacral therapy by some or, or cranial osteopathy but with that technique i was able to help people learn how to listen carefully to their bodies mm. uh, yeah because anytime you have a symptom. That's a clue that something in your system somewhere is out of balance, right? Yeah and and it, and there's this intelligence that's running your body trying to keep it in balance all the time. And when something goes out of balance, if that intelligence can't correct it itself, then it creates a symptom to get your attention. So a common example would be if your body got short on water, you would it would create a symptom, right? Right. And that symptom is thirst. But so what if you said, oh, I'm thirsty. I better go take a handful of vitamins.
1: Mm.
0: Right? How's that? How well is that going to work?
1: <laughs> that would solve it. No.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> or uh, maybe I better go to the gym for, for a good workout. You know? <laughs> so, so there's all these different ways we could respond to the symptoms that our body's put, putting out there. But what's really going to work? and it's <laughs> and drinking water right yeah and and but the question is how did you learn that uh, trial and error
1: no i'm just
0: kidding yeah. well well possibly because most yeah. of us learned it when we were probably toddlers before we can even remember
1: yeah
0: um but we learned it by by listening to the body and so the the contention is is that if we can just learn how to listen real carefully we'll know what to do to correct the imbalances that are presenting themselves as these chronic diseases, as these, um, you know, even even chronic emotional issues. Those are all imbalances as well. And and so by helping people learn how to really listen to their own inner knowing, um, then I was helping able to help people in ways that I never learned about in medical school. Mm. And and I started seeing all these people with chronic illnesses starting to get better uh, when medicine said they couldn't get better. And so over the years of doing this work, I noticed that this, I I call it your inner wisdom, this inner wisdom sort of had a a pattern to how it worked. Mm -hmm. And it didn't matter the the person's education level. It didn't matter their religious upbringing. It didn't matter uh, what society they grew up in because, you know, Seattle's kind of a melting pot. We've got people from all over the world here. Um, The inner wisdom basically used the same techniques, the same approach to help people with their problems. And, And that pattern is what I call the seven tools of healing. So that's where these tools came from is by watching how people's own inner wisdom helped them solve problems in their life.
1: Ooh. So what, what do we're definitely going to send our listeners to read this book? Cause I mean, I personally could have used this over the last few years massively. <laughs> so, but what could, uh, what could you tell our listeners today about the seven tools?
0: Well, they are, um, they basically help overcome the, the two main issues that keep most of what we do in our society to help ourselves grow and change they, they keep that from working well. And so basically when I, stu- when I saw the seven tools and saw, well, this is how people's inner wisdom help them heal. And then I looked at all the advice in the self-help industry and, and they weren't at all the same. Yeah. I thought, what? Yeah, how could that be? And um, and so that's why I wrote this book. because I'm not really a, a bookish person, actually. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife and one of my, my kids are bookish people, but I just... I'd rather go out and build something but um the uh uh but I wrote it because I found that if people understood these ideas, then they could actually connect to their inner wisdom much more quickly and and that was really important um, so what they do is they help undo these two major problems, and one of the problems is most of our self help techniques don't work well with how our unconscious mind works, yeah, and the other one is that. Most of the self-help techniques don't work well with how consciousness works. And and consciousness is creative. And so when you want to get to the root, the real root of something, you really have to get to how it is you're expressing consciousness in your life. That actually is the root of everything in creation, in my opinion, that I've been able to see. And so unless you're working to change, yeah. Yeah. So unless you're working to change these determinants of conscious expression, I call them, um, you're not really working on the root cause. You're just treating a symptom or you're you're trying to change what's already been created, but you're not changing how you create things in the first place.
1: Yeah. It, it makes sense to hit the root,
0: right? Yeah. So,
1: so we can yeah. transform whatever we need to transform.
0: Yeah. And so this, by do, working the way that inner wisdom coaches people, it, it, you don't fall into those traps. So so you can actually work well with how your unconscious mind works. Because So a good example is the unconscious mind doesn't hear the word not. Yeah. And so if I say, okay, don't think about this crystal bowl sitting here and, <laughs> and don't think about these two scoops of ice cream in this crystal bowl and, and don't think about the chocolate syrup pouring over the Ooh, ice cream.
1: And steaming, right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Did you think about it?
1: I did.
0: Yeah, but I said uh-huh. not to.
1: Well, right. nope, ain't happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so you know, when somebody says "Don't forget your lunch," what's the unconscious message?
1: Forget your lunch.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or don't. Or or don't drink and drive. Oh, right. Yeah. So. So, it's, it's interesting how so much in our society we, we just don't work well with how our unconscious minds work. Yeah. And our unconscious minds are so powerful. And I'm sure you're familiar with a lot of the research about that and that's coming out in the last several years. And, um, but anyway, uh, but I'm really interested in consciousness and these determinants of conscious expression, and, and especially those determinants that we have any say over. Because we don't really control our genetics um, to a great degree. Um, but the aspects of the t- conscious expression that we can control is what we believe. Right. So, so beliefs have two jobs that I see. The first job is they function like lenses that we peer through to see the world. And, um, and so you know if you change your beliefs, then the world will start to look different differently to you. And, um, but the second job they have is they're literally, uh, windows that your consciousness has to pass through in order to get out into your life. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're like the gatekeepers of your conscious expression. And, um, so when you start to find these limiting beliefs that we all have inside and, and get them aligned with higher truths, then you can really live your, your life's purpose and, and overcome these blocks. And um, and that's why I said in my book, you know, live the life your soul desires. Yeah. It's specifically not the life your ego desires.
1: Yeah. That consciousness. And they're
0: not. Level. A, yeah. Because those two lives are often not the same. Why?
1: <laughs> Most often. <laughs>
0: yeah. And so, um, so I think. I know some of the things you've talked about, or you know your definition of success, or or you know those kinds of concepts, and and I would say you know if you're really living true to your soul, that's success,
1: mm-hmm. oh, and
0: wow. um, and how you do it is by learning how to listen to it and hear the messages coming to it, and and so by practicing these tools, um, you can do that. So what happens if you see an aspect of yourself that you really want to change? And so you start trying to force that aspect to change. What, what generally happens?
1: Uh, Resistance.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And that's actually a a law of that's, that's a, a result of how consciousness works. Yeah. And, and so, but what happens if you practice a skill?
1: Well, then you can do it without even thinking.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What you're able to naturally do just improves, right? Yeah. So, so it turns out you can put your effort into practicing a skill and actually make, get some results. Whereas if you try to like try to force yourself to not be angry anymore or force yourself to not be judgmental anymore or whatever it is you're trying to work on, it's just going to blow up in your face. Right. Right. So the idea is, well, what if you practice the skills of healing Then the healing you're just able to do is going to get better. Yeah. And so that's what these seven tools are. Is basically the skills of healing. That I could have called them skills too, but that seemed too abstract. So, (laughs) but but if you have a tool, just because you have a tool in your toolbox doesn't mean you can get masterful results with that tool. Right. You you have to practice it until you master it. Right. Yeah. So. So that's what I'm trying to do is help people learn these these skills and then really practice them until they become second nature, until they become their automatic way they deal with their feelings or they deal with their relationships and, and mm-hmm. that sort of thing.
1: Can you maybe give us an example of, uh, and it doesn't have to be well, obviously... Not- It could be case study or whatever of just to make this real for listeners on this is maybe an issue one was experiencing. This is a tool that they learned and used, and this is how they were able to to address that root cause.
0: One of the stories that had a most profound effect on me that I um, I think I tell this story in my book. Um, But this woman came in, she's about 35 or so, and she'd had this stabbing pain between her shoulder blades for um, about 15 years. Wow. And in that time, she had she estimated she'd seen about 40 different practitioners uh, trying to address this pain. So she'd seen uh, orthopedic surgeons, chiropractors, massage therapists, physical therapists, you know, the list went on and on and on, acupuncture. And all of them basically tried to make the pain go away and working Treat directly on the double. pain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, and so I asked her if she'd be willing to try this, uh, craniosacral approach and she agreed. And so she got on the table and cause it's, you know, it's a hands-on general, very gentle hands-on approach. Mm-hmm. And as I started working on her, I asked her to put her awareness into her body and see what came to mind and what she, um, what came to mind luckily was this stabbing pain. And, and then she was quiet for a moment. And then she said, it's like a sword in the stone, Oh. And that really kind of it was kind of was freaky because nobody had ever used that metaphor to describe their pain in my practice before. And I was actually reading Once and Future King to my kids at the time. Oh <laughs> which is a King Arthur story, right? Yeah. So that's kind of how the unconscious works. It just tunes into stuff, you know. And and so of course my next question is, well, what what part of you can step up and pull that sword out? And I could see her eyes moving under her eyelids. And she paused for a moment, she goes, oh, my 13 year old can. And so then I said, oh. well, what happened What happened when you were 13? And she was quiet for a minute and a, and a tear came out of the corner of her eye. Still kind of hard to tell the story, just saying. Um, and she said, well, that's when my mom died. Oh. And she goes, oh, I remember. You know, an evening, a couple nights after my mom died, that I made this vow to myself that if I were ever happy, then that would be betraying my mom's death. Oh, you know how 13 year olds are like, everything's black and white kind of right and really intense. Yeah. And, and so I asked her, well, do you think that's what your mom would want for you? And she goes, no, my mom would want me to be happy. And, and so I said, were you willing to talk to your 13 year old and maybe reconsider that vow. And she was, and she, you know, we processed it for a few minutes. And then when she was ready, I said, okay, go ahead and stand up to that sword and see what happens. And she stood up and in her mind, you know, she can see her thirtional pull the sword out of the stone and her pain went away. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And this, this whole session took about 20 minutes. And afterwards she started thinking about, she says, you know, I've probably spent over $10,000 of my own money not to mention all the insurance money trying to address this pain. And and I said, well did anybody, any of those 40 practitioners actually get you to talk to the pain? And she said, no, not a single one. And and that just speaks so much to our our society's view of of healing and how to do healing. And and just, you know, your body's the, the battleground and your the disease is the enemy. And we have all these drugs in our armamentarium to, to attack the disease and wipe out the disease. And
1: yeah, it's very and, violent.
0: <laughs> yeah. Is, the a war metaphor really permeates yeah. healing or healthcare. And, and that's, I just haven't found that real healing is about war. You know, nobody really wins a war. There's always casualties on both sides. Yeah. And, um, So anyway, so, but getting people to tune in and listen to that deep inner wisdom has, you know, people have come up with solutions that I would have never thought of myself even. And, and usually when they try those solutions, they work really well, as opposed to if they just go and try all these different supplements or these different treatments that may or may not work and might cause side effects or that sort of thing.
1: So that's what these uh, seven tools are is um, you, you take in the book. So you take uh, readers through the process of how to practice on these and maybe how to work on whatever stabbing pain that they have. Is that
0: right? Yeah. So you can lo- use them to learn how to listen. So, so mindfulness is another name. So the second tool is awareness. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also use mindfulness. So, and as you probably aware no pun intended there's a (laughs) lot of research on the power of the mindfulness and how beneficial that is and um but then the seven tools go further it's like well what do you do with what you become mindful of and in our society our attempts are are, are our knee-jerk response is i'm going to get in there and fix it yeah and and what the inner wisdom says is no you have to acknowledge it and just just let it be and acknowledge it and and that actually is another law of consciousness that um you've probably heard the saying you shall know your truth and your truth shall set you free. Yeah right? it's not you shall know your fantasy and your fantasy shall set you free. <laughs> right? Steppenwolf was wrong on that one. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but um so so you have to really know your truth. You have to let your truth in and 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 a lot of like the the twelve steps acknowledges that step, you know, but but you really have to let your truth in. Um, but then, how do you get it to change? Because if you keep focusing on it, you're going to keep creating more of what you're focusing on. Right. So so once you become aware of it, what the inner wisdom says is, well, just get off your case about that. Just <laughs> just be kind to yourself. Just give yourself a hug. And and so that. And whatever's going on for you right now in this moment, and just see the raw, naked truth of it, keep your hands off of it, but consciously choose to turn your awareness to the side and focus on being kind to yourself that that's your truth. Then what are you focusing on? Yeah. The kindness, right? Yeah. You're not focusing on, you're not going to keep creating more of that truth because you're not focusing on, you're focusing on kindness. And then what happens is the kindness goes in and the next, the next moment that unfolds for you is just a little bit kinder than the moment before it was. And, and then you do the exact same thing again. You see that moment for what it is, be kind to yourself about it. And then the next moment's even kinder. Mm. And so, so this process of change is a lot like turning a battleship. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) That's why I see it. It's it's like these slow incremental changes, but before long, you're steaming off in a whole different direction in your life.
1: Oh, I like that. And,
0: and what caused the change was the compassion, the self-compassion. Yeah. So so I would have to say, I've, I've been in practicing medicine for 35 years now. I've only seen two things actually heal somebody. And one is, I have to admit, surgery does when it's appropriately utilized. Right. But then this practice of self compassion mm. for their moment, for, for whatever their truth is in that moment. And everything else is pretty much treating the symptoms. Yeah. Um, trying to, what, what we're doing now in integrative medicine a lot is I call it micromanaging the metabolism, where you know, we know all these biochemical pathways now. And so take all these supplements to try to change the biochemical pathways. And you go home with this whole shopping bag full of supplements. Um, but then you're kind of playing whack a mole because, you know, this thing changes in your body, but then something else pops up over here. And so you go yeah. take a supplement for that, and then it pops up over there. You know?
1: <laughs> Before and you know it, you're swallowing a gallon of pills a day.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that adds up, you know, They're all, they all cost like 30, 40 bucks a month at least. Yeah. And pretty soon you're spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars on supplements and you, you haven't gotten to the root. Yeah. So anyway, that uh, um, so I really want to I really want people to learn about these tools because I see people, uh, first of all, spending so much time and money on all these treatments. Um, some of them help, but some of them are mainly treading water. Yeah. Um, and and then I've seen people that have been working on themselves for decades and they're still working on the same issues it's like yeah well, nothing
1: and it well, some it's gonna continue until they get to that root cause right
0: right yeah yeah and um so one of the things that helped me see this was you know that saying if you keep doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results <laughs> Insanity. That, thats yeah exactly <laughs> but what if you turn it around and say well i'm doing all these things that look different like that woman you know she did chiropractic or she did yoga or she did, you know, all acupuncture, they they kind of look different on the outside, but they kept getting the same result, mm-hmm. which was the pain didn't go away, right? right? So what if you're doing different things, but you keep getting the same result? Maybe in some fundamental way, they're all the same. They're all alike. Yeah, you got to go and, deeper. And what I, yeah, because that, that fundamental way was, they all started with the assumption that there was something wrong with her that needed to get fixed. Yeah. And how many of our therapeutic approaches start with that assumption?
1: Like a hundred percent in yeah. <regular> medicine, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, and, and I don't think they're doing it on purpose. I think they're doing it because we don't really understand consciousness very well yet yeah. in our society. So we're inadvertently keeping ourselves stuck and, and taking supplements and doing all these other things for all these years. And um so I really want to get the word out that hey, there's this other way to get off that hamster wheel. And I've been on that hamster wheel myself for many, many years, of course, (laughs) before I learned about these things. And um and hopefully help people find good answers without having to suffer for so long.
1: Yeah, get the message out. So yeah, that actually brings us to so we we have your book, right? The seven tools of healing, unlock your inner wisdom. And live the life your soul desires. Now, you have mm-hmm. a lot of other uh, resources up for people. Can you share more about the resources and services that you provide?
0: Yeah. One of the best ways we have right now to actually learn the tools and and practice them enough that they get embodied is a class we call um, Taming the Bear, Taking the Bite Out of Stress. And, and what we did is we sort of picked stress as the index issue because it's so common and it's causing so many problems yeah and and applied the seven tools well how do you how do you solve the problem of stress yeah you know, how do you make yourself impervious to stress so that you can be in these situations you don't have any power over but you can still stay in your power your own personal power at the same time and so so it's a 12-week class it's online um and each week it, you know, we talked about stress the first couple of weeks, but then we get into the tools, and we go through each of the tools and talk about how to use them to help you deal with your feelings. And because your feelings are the key to get into the unconscious mind, that's that's the key that I found. And you, you can use physical feelings, you can use emotional feelings, but either way, they'll they'll sort of take you to those unconsciously held beliefs. And um, and then you use again more of the tools to help change those beliefs once you find out what they are. So the best way to do that work that we have so far is this class, the Seven Tools of Healing, and um, but we're just launching another class that I'm really excited about, and that is we call it Strong Foundations, uh, teaching your children to be healthy with their feelings.
1: Ooh,
0: yeah, because what I mean, you do a lot of work with emotional intelligence, and what do you think could happen if kids could actually grow up being emotionally intelligent? From scratch,
1: yeah, that would be nice. <laughs> they don't Wouldn't teach it? that in school.
0: <laughs> no, and yeah. and most parents don't know how their parenting techniques or how their parenting approaches affect their child's emotional intelligence. And and so again, this is going to be an online class. It's got nine classes. We go from birth to teen, and and really talk a lot about how to help your kids be healthy with their feelings, and. Because feeling is really just a messenger. Yeah, you know, it's not the message. And um, but how do you get the feeling to deliver the message and um, not get all caught up or pulled off your center because of the feeling? Yeah. And um, but I I'm really excited because I'm really hoping that class like this could help reduce you know teenage suicide. Um, I think it could help reduce addiction because my definition of addiction is feeling management. Hmm. And so if you can learn to just let your feelings be and get the message and know that they're not the problem, then you don't have to try to force these feelings to go away and create these other feelings. Um, which is what we're doing with addiction all the time. Yeah. So anyway, I, so I'm really excited about that class. That's launching any day now, actually. Oh, cool. Um, and, um, and then the website has some, a lot of free resources. There's, you know, learning how to listen to the body by doing a body sweep exercise that's on there as a free, uh, download you can have. Um, and, um, my daughter's helping me with this. She, she's a therapist that took taming the bear when she got out of college and it motivated her to go become a psychotherapist. And she's been using the seven tools in her practice now for many years. Oh, nice. uh, But she, she does uh, a yoga nidra. She is a yoga nidra practitioner and, Helps people with guided imagery um, through that tradition, uh, as well as recycled, regular cycle therapy. So there's some yoga ninjas on there on the website too that people can download and listen to. Okay. Um, but we're adding new content all the time, and, um, and so so it sounds like people yeah. need
1: to sign up for your newsletter.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, we. Yeah. That's something I should probably start to write, (laughs) but I do have a, um, or they can sign up up for the mailing list and get notifications for when things are happening and stuff. Exactly. Cool.
1: So, uh, I will make sure we include the seven tools.com in the show notes. So for closing us out today, what is your final piece of advice for listeners?
0: Well, my final piece of advice is, um, to no matter what's happening to you, no matter how you're feeling or how other people are treating you or what's going on in the world, no matter what's happening to you, you are still worthy of compassion. You're, you're worthy of of kindness. And so, Mm. so I encourage you to give that to yourself.
1: Oh, I love that.
0: And I've talked to so many people that are so upset by what's happening in the world. And, Oh yeah. uh, And, um, and if they can just see that and admit the truth of it, yeah, I'm upset by this, then I can be kind to myself about it. And and so that's something I practice is every time I make a self-observation, oh man, I'm having a bad hair day today. Well, <laughs> I can be kind to myself about that.
1: There you go. I'm human. It's all good.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. human. I can be kind to myself about that.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh.
0: See how that... See how that feels in your body when you say that?
1: Yeah. Relax. I'm so relaxed right now.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, thank
0: you so much. For, thank you uh, so much. Uh, this venue. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Great wisdom for our listeners. Thank you for joining us.
0: Yeah, thank you. Take care.
1: If you'd like to learn more about Steve, visit his website at the toolscom
0: is it possible to have fun while developing yourself? Take a look at Christina's latest book, Life is an Escape Room, to see how the lessons learned through escape rooms apply to achieving more in life. Visit lifeisanescaperoom.com for more
1: information.